0: Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher. Start the clock. Good afternoon. At the tone. time will be real time.
1: Thank you very much. Hour. It's excitable group of people. Excited, I know. I, 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 I usually say I know why you're excited. This week, I'm going to tell you why I'm excited. <laughs> Mitt Romney tonight is fighting Evander Holyfield. <laughs> hear, I'm not making this up. You've heard this, right? I'm not, um, yes, that Mitt Romney is fighting a boxing match. Well, it's a charity boxing match with Evander Holyfield. It's just a friendly exhibition to raise money. Just like the Mayweather fight last week. Just (laughs) friendly. Wow, Mitt Romney, I'm telling you. They asked him, why is he doing this? He said, I don't know, I guess I just like getting beaten by black guys. Very strange. But, uh, no, everybody this week is talking about one of the worst train wrecks ever. Uh, But enough about the Jeb Bush campaign. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, tough. <laughs> we learned something this week. There's actually no such thing as a smart Bush. They kept saying he was the smart. No, no. Oh, I think only a Bush could answer a yes or no question two different ways and be wrong both times. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't that hard. He was asked, knowing what we know now, would you have invaded Iraq? And he had a different answer every day. <laughs> First, it was damn right I would. Absolutely fucking great idea. And the next day, it was, sorry, what? I'm sorry, I, I, I misheard, or I misinterpreted. And then the next day, it was, well, that's hypothetical. I can't answer it. When did a politician ever answer a hypothetical question? And then finally, it was, okay, my brother's a giant fuck-up. You happy? You know? <laughs> Every day, a different answer, which is how he got his nickname, the Undecider. <laughs> and all this was on Fox News, where the anchors are ordered to pre-like you. <laughs> I tell you, I think the Bush family has actually been in decline since the Patriot, Patriot Prescott Bush. He was Jeb and George's grandfather. Uh, the first President Bush, his father. He was a good guy. He was a senator from Connecticut, a moderate, one of the first big advocates for Planned Parenthood. Yeah. If only he had practiced what he preached. <laughs> uh, And Jeb, Jeb Bush stuck his foot in his mouth again today. He said, get this, that it would be okay if we repealed Obamacare because soon people will be able to manage their health using the new Apple iWatch. <laughs> I, I, and I have one. Let, let's see if it works. Um, uh, sorry, I, I, <laughs> I think there's something wrong with my heart.
2: Okay, I've found three theaters playing Paul Blart. <laughs> No,
1: no, not Paul Blart. Okay. (laughs) Now, as for the Amtrak derailment, we still don't know what caused the train crash or why Mitch McConnell always looks like he's just seen one. (laughs) But how's this for sensitivity? Hours, hours after the crash, House Republicans voted to cut Amtrak's budget why do republicans hate trains this is my (laughs) seriously they love everything else from the good old days swing music and route 66 and segregation but somehow (laughs) somehow if you get to work in anything other than a buick you're not a real american I, i i don't get that i love trains It's the only way to travel anymore where it doesn't involve a TSA agent slowly tracing the curve of my inner thigh. (laughs) Why why do Republicans hate trains? Well, of course we know, because they're subsidized by taxes. (laughs) As opposed to the interstate highway system, which is a naturally occurring (laughs) geological formation. (laughs) Now, I... I, I hope they get to the bottom of why this uh, tra- c- train crashed, uh, but I don't know if that's going to happen because the engineer involved says he has absolutely no recollection of what happened. So I don't think he's going to be driving trains in the future. <laughs> but he has a very bright future as Tom Brady's ball handler.
0: <laughs> oh, I kid.
1: All right, we got this. Charles Murray, Heather McGee, and a little later be speaking with the rapper's rapper, Killer Mike, is backstage. <laughs> But first up, she is a beacon for freedom of expression. His latest book is Heretic, Why Islam Needs a Reformation Now, my friend, and one of my heroes, Ian Hirsi Ali. There you are. How are you? to see you. Thank you. Um. I always say to guests when they're here, I'm glad to see you, but it's especially with you, I'm glad to see you, because you. I know a lot of people don't want you to live. Thank you. So, uh,
3: <laughs> Thank you, and uh, I'm glad to see you. Yes,
1: absolutely. Uh, so, uh, you know, for people who are not familiar with your story, you, you were born in Somalia, right? Tell us a little bit about your upbringing and what it's like for a woman uh, to grow up in Somalia.
3: Well, let me tell you the Disney version, which is I was born...
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there was one.
3: Yeah. I was born in Somalia to a Muslim household, and at the age of five years, I was subjected to genital mutilation like uh, about 130 million women are. And fast forward, I, my father um, arranges a marriage or forces me to marry, and then fast forward... I'm able to escape that by taking a train from Germany to the Netherlands and asking for asylum. And fast forward, I learn the language, and I assimilate, and I run for office, and I become a Dutch member of parliament. And at some point, three years into my tenure, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um,
1: now, why can't everyone do this?
3: <laughs> I told you this was the Disney version. Right. Um, but three years into my tenure, one of my colleagues decides that I had not told the truth, which is absolutely true. But everybody knew about it in 2002, and and she takes away my citizenship. I'm also at that point under so much security, and I decide to come to the United States of America, and I live happily ever after.
1: Well, that's, <laughs> that's the Disney part, right? <laughs> Um, and, uh, you're a critic of Islam, and for that, so many... <laughs> well, your book's called Heretic, so, you know. I don't think I'm talking out of school here. Uh, and the other one was called Infidel, so, you know, I think you're doing it to yourself. And, and we're glad you are. Uh, but why is it that so many liberals, I mean, liberals who absolutely hate blaming the victim... When it, as they should, as we all should, when it comes to rape cases and so forth. How dare you blame the victim? So many blame you. <laughs> they turn the finger on you. You're the bad guy.
3: How is that happening? I think some of them are scared. I think some of them are protective of the people who present to them as I am the victim. You know, so many of the so called spokespeople for Muslims emphasize the victimhood of all Muslims, people they don't really speak for, and they say, look at her, she's the awful one, she's the one who's asking questions she's the heretic, she's the infidel and I don't know why it works with infidel- uh, with uh, liberals um, Yeah,
1: I mean, when I see a woman in the head-to-toe burqa, I call it the beekeeper suit <laughs> uh, I see someone who is oppressed because I don't think anyone really wants to live that way especially in the hot sun uh, but I've heard many liberals say, "Well, that's the, that's their custom. That's their that's their uh, culture. That they want it like that. They like it," and I say, "They like it. That's what pimps say.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: That's what pimps say. It is.
0: Yeah. They like it. Yeah.
1: And you know, they blow guys in an alley and give me the money. They like it. As you all know, all right. Too far.
3: No." I don't know how too far that is, because even in, in every industry, in the industry of Islamic extremism, there are women who like to cover themselves from head to toe and who like to cater to this ideology of extremism. But isn't I'm talking that brainwashing?
1: About, Would they really...
3: Well, if they like it, they like it. My point is there are millions who don't like it. Please don't right. impose it on them. Those are the women I'm talking about. Right, okay. <laughs> um,
1: And now, in your book, of course, you say what I think lots of people have said, Islam needs a reformation. Um, But you propose a specific plan for this reformation. Can you give us the thumbnail version?
3: Okay, number one, I think it's extremely important for Muslims to change their attitude toward the Quran and Muhammad. Toward the book, it's not a driver's manual, please. Toward the man, give me a break, he can't be the most perfect moral guide for all humanity at all times. Give that or part of that up. Mm. Number two, stop investing in life after death instead of life before death. Right. Thank you. Number three, give up Sharia. Do you know what Sharia law is? Give it up.
1: No, no, tell us. We hear that word a lot, and there are people in this country, especially now in Texas, who think... (laughs) (laughs) ..who think they're in in, in danger of Sharia law taking over. Alan West in Florida tweeted the other day he was in a Walmart, and and he was trying to buy liquor, and they wouldn't let him because it turned out the sales guy was underage, so he couldn't sell it to him, and he said, Sharia law has come to Walmart. (laughs) They're crazy. But what is, actually, what is involved in Sharia law?
3: Well, Sharia law is the system of law that Saudi Arabia has, that Iran has, that the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria is trying to uh, implement. Sharia law basically decides absolutely everything about yourself. It decides how women and men should interact with one another. Uh, adulterers are flogged or stoned. People who drink are subjected to you know, various harsh punishments death. I am somebody who left the religion of Islam. The punishment under Sharia law for me would be to be killed. If you're gay, you are to be taken to the tallest building in town and thrown down. And if you're still alive, there's a mob waiting there to lynch you. We're seeing all of this carried out in in many places, formally and informally. When I say formally, I mean by a government, informally by people doing it themselves. And that takes me to the fourth point, which is the commanding right and forbidding wrong. Where individual citizens feel that they can tell you what is right, and if you don't, you're not behaving the right way, they can punish you. And then, finally, of course, jihad, holy war, should be replaced with holy peace. So,
1: so I've had. And we know Sharia law is popular in in many more countries than you even named. I mean, when I have liberals on this show, one of the big arguments is, well, you're painting with a broad brush. Of course, Saudi Arabia is backward, but what about Indonesia and Turkey? and jordan well i looked up indonesia and turkey and jordan and uh, well here are some of the statistics here uh... in sharia law seventy two percent of indonesian's favorite uh... jordan seventy one percent stoning of adulterers indonesia forty eight percent popular uh... jordan sixty seven percent death for leaving islam jordan eighty two percent these are their their bastions of freedom and democracy um, how, do you, how do we get liberals, and some of them are people I really used to respect, uh, how do we get them to understand that we're the liberals in this debate? Yes. The people who are facing shining a light on oppression and demanding that it will end, how can that not be the liberal cause? What do you say to liberals?
3: I say to them that the cancer of Islamic extremism is a, an assault on liberalism on liberal ideas, on the idea of the human being as, you know, protect the life of the human being, the freedom of the human being, the equality of human beings. That's what it is an assault on. Islamic extremists divide the world into us and them. And the ones they deem to be them, even if they're pious Muslims, they kill them. They subjugate them. They sell them into slavery. They rape the women and they destroy Art and civilization and we and we see it on a daily basis. If you are a liberal and you really truly believe in the principles of liberalism, you've got to stand up to the challenge of the day, and that is Islamic extremism.
1: Thank you, Ayan Ali You're my hero. You know that. Oh, oh. All right, stay safe. Ayan Hirsi Ali. Let's meet our panel. He is the iconic indie filmmaker of Hairspray and Serial Mom, whose latest book, Carsick, is now in paperback. John Waters is over here. Always underdressed, understated, John Waters. She is the president of the progressive public policy organization, Demos. Heather McGee. Hey, Heather. Great to have you here. And he's a conservative intellectual. His latest book is By the People. Our friend Charles Murray back with us. Hey, Charles. Good good to see you. you. Okay. Uh, Remember to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send us your questions for tonight's overtime so we can answer them after the show on YouTube. All right. I want to talk about Jeb Bush first. Uh, It's interesting the way the Republicans seem to be imploding week by week. I had a little fun with him there in the monologue. But I want to go after some of the things that he said earlier in the week that I think were not challenged by the media because the first thing he said was I would have invaded Iraq given the the intelligence we had, as he said, by the way, so would Hillary Clinton. <laughs> can I just point out that I don't think Hillary Clinton or any other Democrat or even any other Republican might not have invaded Iraq because Bush was the only one who even thought to link 9-11 to Iraq. Richard Clark in his book, talks about the day after 9-11, Bush going around saying, can we, do we, is there a link, any reason we can invade in Iraq? And they're like, no. No. And, and he's like, well, well, look harder. There you go. That's my point. <laughs> I had to get that off my chest.
4: <laughs> I, I hate it. I hate it when he makes a mistake because I want him to be the nominee because I think we can win. And the, re- and the real reason I want to win is so Bill can be first lady. <laughs> you
0: know, I... I
4: I want Bill to be an old-fashioned lady, like Mamie Eisenhower, you know, like, yeah. Like, like make bacon pies and arranging flowers with an apron. I think it'll be great.
2: Uh... You know, it is a little bit like Jeb Bush never really thought of what he actually would say when this question came to him. Right. And, wow. you know... This is George W. Bush we're talking about. We're talking about someone who did a lot to this country that his brother's going to have to answer for, whether it's the $2 trillion war or the $2 trillion tax cuts or the $14 trillion, you know, uh, housing bubble wealth loss. That's a big credit card bill that this guy's going to have to answer for.
5: Yeah, I I think it might be a moment that defines the the Bush campaign. I think it's... Ted Kennedy. We were both old enough to remember when Ted Kennedy was asked back in 1979... Why do you want to be president? And he couldn't answer the question, and and not being able to answer this question, right. this is the first one he was going to be asked. I mean, right. he's he had to have that down pat. Well, I mean, that's something you hear in
1: every campaign that the campaign is a great indication of how the guy would be as president. I've heard this going back as far as I can remember. Politics. They either say, I remember, I can't remember what Republican said. I, maybe it was, you no, know, Romney or McCain before him said, well, you know. If he's as good as he was in the campaign, we're going to be okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I've
1: heard others say, well, if he can't run his campaign, how can he run the White House? So that is a good question. Yeah. But I, I noticed also that the Republicans this week all jumped on Bush. They smelled blood. The <laughs> wounded animal. So they all jumped in their haste yeah. to say, actually, the Iraq war was a mistake.
2: What's and Crazy. I'd never heard
1: them yes. say that before. Yeah.
2: Unanimity. Uh, Unanimity. It, Absolutely.
1: Yeah, they wanted to attack Bush, so they said... Because before that, the answer was always, no, world was better without Saddam, and it was President sure true, uh, Black Neville Chamberlain who <laughs> fucked things up.
5: <laughs> uh, I, well, I don't follow day-to-day politics close enough to, to really? be... defend. No, I hate day-to-day politics. But generally speaking, gotta, I think, By the week, the, the, that's this show. On the <laughs> <Yeah>. Republican... <laughs> Every couple of years, I have to follow the day's politics before I come in the show. How flattering. But, but in fact, on the, re- <laughs> on the Republican side, there's been an awful lot of uh, agonizing and rethinking about Iraq for a long time.
1: Really? Yeah, really. I, I've not heard that. Marco Rubio, I heard him just the other day say, no, we, the world is better off without Saddam, which is a talking point from 2004. That's what I mean, yeah. Plainly, the world would be better right. if Saddam was still in power. Not for the soccer team.
0: <laughs> right, but that but doesn't mean it...
2: the world
1: would be better off.
2: Yeah, and that doesn't mean it should have cost 4,000 American lives and hundreds of thousands of Iraqi civilians to get there.
1: Right. Yeah, I think right. that's it. Uh... All right, so let's talk about the train wreck. First of all, it wouldn't be that big a story. It is a big story, but if this happened in Chattanooga, believe me, it just happened on the Eastern Court. It's like when there's a snowstorm anywhere between New York and Washington. It's the biggest thing in the world. Okay, let's talk about it. Um, I'm on that
4: train always, right? Because I've right, back and forth old, from Baltimore, I'm New York. I'm on that train always. And you know the thing that I fear? I never thought you had to worry about them speeding. You know, that's the last <laughs> thing. I, I, I worry right. about pilots committing suicide, buses going, ah! But right. not like, you know... But there is one point on the Acela train that the suicide community knows about, and they can't stop a curve and they jump out. And it's, I've been on the train where it's happened a couple of times. They know this. They can't stop. And so... And it's a pain. You know, right. they have the coroner has to come. It takes hours. But it's a... It's, it's, it's a common problem I'm
5: on mass track. Sh- I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked yeah. you haven't written a movie about it. Well, you know...
0: <laughs> there we go.
1: This is... This Stay is, tuned.
5: I've been in the Acela a whole lot... He has guys jumping off the train. It's never so jumping happened. in and front you of him.: it. It's a not a call guy. for help.): <laughs> but-,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but why are the patriots the ones who don't want to spend money on trains?
2: It drives me insane.: I know. This is just no way to run a country. We are literally squabbling about whether or not we should repair our crumbling roads and bridges from 100 years ago or put in these safeguards that we know that we had that were available, whether we can afford them. And it's like, meanwhile, across the pond, our competitors are just handing us our lunch, right? They're creating (laughs) broadband that is incredibly fast and wind farms. And they're doing actually exactly what we taught them to do in the post-war period, which was a mixed economy, which is, you know, it's going to take some government. It is actually going to take some government because there are some things that we can't do ourselves and that no individual company can afford to do.
5: Heather, I'm actually with you. I, I think government should build roads. I think that's a good thing. Here's the problem. There's a bridge in Bayonne that is being rehabbed, okay? They wanted to start rehabbing about seven years ago. It's not even a new bridge. It's an existing bridge they're going to fix. So far, they've gone through 47 permits from 19 environmental agencies. It still isn't approved. The average amount of time it takes to approve a new road project, I mean, roads are simple, is eight years. I mean, we have a sclerotic system at this point whereby we can't do anything. There are no shovel-ready jobs. But, uh, but, but I've heard
1: Obama out. talk about getting rid of regulations like that. Not all regulations, but just a common-sense approach. I can't help but feel that the reason why this train crashed is because while Obama is president, any victory for him is a... V- yeah. We can't have a victory for America because Obama is the president.
5: Bill, and Bill. S- the- no? Come on. Bill, bill if, if, I, I'm saying something. This is a statement of fact. If we appropriated a trillion dollars tomorrow for infrastructure reform, nothing would happen for, for a matter of years. And when I say nothing, well, that, I mean well, basically nothing.
1: No, that's not true, because we had the stimulus package, and we uh, they never driving bill. around the projects here at work, here in L.A., that these people were out working and they did something. <laughs> absolutely. I,
2: I, <laughs> absolutely.
1: <laughs> I, I, they did a
2: lot. They, 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 they made roads and bridges that's and sewers to help handle the rainfall. Brink. <laughs> 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 brought our country back from the brink. Um, I think, you know, I know that your, your new book is about regulations and, and all of that, and I think that there is something to be said for that, but you cannot say that the real reason that Republicans are, ref- are doing these reckless cuts. Is because they're afraid that if they actually did something, it'd be held up by regulations. That just doesn't make any sense.
4: Okay, so uh, <laughs> I, I actually, it, it, I actually heard in Baltimore somebody say they were against the wind farms, you know, because they were Satanist. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: so every time I see one of them, Have I'm you think, ever been in the Satan middle of a is wind calling farm? Calling me? They're, they're
5: very spooky. I do know. You ever got out of the car and yeah. stand in a wind farm? Yeah, spooky. Why would crazy. you do that? <laughs>
1: it's fun. It's put fun. your finger okay. in so, it. You, know, can also I mean, watch, you can also watch the birds getting killed. Uh, right. Yeah, that's yeah, birds, yeah, that's, yeah that's I fun. don't like that. Okay, so um, Bill de Blasio put out a contract for America. Remember Newt Gingrich's contract? for? Well, this is the liberals' version of it. And I'm sure someone like you, when you hear about some of the things that are in it, raising the minimum wage to 15 bucks, uh, pathway to citizenship, but then national paid sick leave... Sick leave Uh, national paid family leave, universal pre-K, student loan debt relief. These are all things that cost a lot of money. And I'm sure that conservatives say, we don't have that kind of money. And then I look at things like the (laughs) F-22. Cost $67 billion. We barely ever used it. It did not factor in Iraq or Afghanistan. It's now scrapped. Then we went to the F-35. The F-35 costs... It was going to cost uh, $237 billion. It's now up to $1.5 trillion. Also doesn't seem to work. <laughs> Cannot take a lightning hit. So they have to stay 25 miles away from lightning. So we can, we can get into a war unless it rains. All right. That's $1.5 trillion. Oh. From the people who, wanted to, who want to cut the Amtrak funding by how yeah, many millions? Yeah, a few, exactly.
2: Uh, I, it would be funny if it weren't so sad. So I, I actually were... Um, I was there uh, to sign the contract that uh, the progressive agenda. Bill de Blasio called me a couple of months ago and said I'm going to organize some progressive leaders to try to make income inequality the defining issue of the 2016 presidential campaign. And I said absolutely, I think that has to happen. But if you look at that agenda, it's it's not actually such a left agenda. We're at sort of like this jump no. ball moment for what is progressive, where the center is on economic issues. Right. And if you run basically down all of those, they get majority support from Republican voters, obviously not from Republican members of Congress, but you've got this strange thing where it's not really a left and right issue, but more of like a donor class and everybody else issue. We're oh. actually...
0: <laughs> it's... It.
2: It, it and we know the political science research shows that because the donor class is this sort of gatekeeper right now for who gets to run, whose, you know, phone calls are answered, that comes out in public policy decisions that skew towards the wealthy. That's well, I'll seeing. tell you,
5: all I can say is <clears throat> Heather uh, the Republicans I know think that having a candidate who has pledged to the de Blasio program is a wet dream. I mean, the, it is such an attractive... It's, it's as if the Democrats could run against Mike Huckabee's social agenda. They'd well, wipe him out. The, there really? is going be National uh, yeah, well, paid, just,
2: paid family no, just, leave?
5: He, he, we, got, we got a whole bunch of independents and moderate Democrats mm-hmm. who usually vote Democratic because they really don't like the Republican social agenda at all. And that just completely turns them off from it. On the other hand... These are the people who go to the polls in high numbers. they uh, That means whites vote in greater numbers than most minorities. The more money you have, the more likely you are to vote. So the electorate, the elects people, is much different from the profile of the but country ca- as the Can whole. I give
1: you the numbers on this stuff? Because yeah. they have polling, and I know what you're going to say, and you may be right. Yes, when you give people goodies, when the government does that, it's popular. But... The minimum wage, 63% support going up to $15 an hour. Pathway to citizenship, 62% support it. Paid six leave, 88%. Family leave, 86%. Uh, Pre-K, 70%. Student loan debt relief, 73%. Exactly. They, they keep saying Hillary's gone left. Hillary's where she always has been, in the center. She's for gay marriage, 58% approve of that. Overturning Citizens United, 61% approving that. Uh, Body cameras on cops, 91% approve of that. Sentencing reform for nonviolent drug offenders, 63%. So, this idea that this is far-left stuff, this sounds uh, like... Bill,
5: Bill, okay, well, we can have the show a couple of years from now. I'm saying... If the Democratic candidate embraces universal pre-K and paid family leave and the sick leave and all of that, all of which are expensive programs, leave the fighter planes out of it, you have a whole lot why, of voting. Why are we you leaving have, you, you, the fighter plane, <laughs> no, no, no.
0: That's the whole I'm, point, I'm, is that we I'm shouldn't I'm leave talking, the fighter I'm
5: talking plane. about who's voting and why they're going to vote. Wait, okay. so, Charles, and, and, you're uh, just, saying that
2: the only way to get to your program is to distort our democracy to keep most of Americans out of the ballot box. That's no, exactly no. what you're saying. Heather, you're saying that
0: Heather, I, Heather, the people
2: I'm, who vote... The people who vote want X. The people who donate want X. And so we can't have. I'm trying have y, to forecast what, the what happens if the, Demo- want.
5: if the Democrats adopt this agenda. They will get wiped out next year.
2: If you and if if the right gets to define the electorate, that is absolutely right. And I'm that's why about we who fight actually to expand vote? Right, the electorate. I have, right, yeah,
5: you're right. And, that's,
1: and that is on the liberals because they act as these prove. We have the numbers. We just don't turn up. You're right. Yeah. We let old white people run the country. All right, I, I got to move on. There's okay. another issue that... So, what's you, your point? Dear to, my, dear to my heart, I'm conceding. <laughs> Take yes for an answer. Uh, is uh, religion was in the news this week. Pew poll does a, a big survey every seven years. So what? what? Pew. The pew poll? You've heard of the pew poll. <laughs> it sounds like Spartan
4: church. The no. pew poll. You never heard of P-E-W? <laughs> pew. No. Oh. Okay,
1: I guess... We got we a whole panel tonight who never reads the news. I didn't hear it a few Anyway, they, they do a big survey of religion every seven years, and the results are in, and they're pretty amazing. Uh, the number of Christians has gone down from 2007 to fourteen, from 78% to 70%. Uh, The number of nuns, well, that's people who, none, none of the above. (laughs) These are atheists, agnostics, people who just want to sleep in on Sunday. Uh, We're now second. It's evangelicals, 25%. Nuns, 23%. And mostly this is because millennials. Of
2: your show.
1: Because of me, (laughs) absolutely. You're welcome. (laughs) I do
0: what I can.
1: But... Uh, the millennials are yeah. mostly 35 percent of the millennials are nuns, and they are leaving in droves. So they're trying to get them back. They're the key to stopping this bleeding. So the, they have put out this <laughs> this Bible to try to get the millennials back. It's 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 the King James Franco version. <laughs> it's it's slightly different. Would you like to hear? It's a, it's very similar. Like, here's from the Old Testament. Adam and Eve saw that they were naked, and they were ashamed because they were not toned. <laughs> so they sewed fig leaves together together to cover their problem areas. That's slightly different. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years, where they had no signal. <laughs> you can see how this upset the millennials... And the commandments are slightly different. Honor thy father and thy mother, so that you may live long in their basement.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: Thou shalt not steal, except thine music online. That's All right, now let's go to the uh, the New Testament. There are also some, some different versions. Again, slightly different. Uh, oh, Jesus says, take this and eat of it, for it is gluten-free. See, th-
0: th- this is...
1: Blessed be thy fruit of thy womb It is locally grown (laughs) Jesus Oh, I remember this one Said to Peter this very night before the cock crows You will deny me three times Because the hater's going to hate, hate, (laughs) hate So verily, just shake it off (laughs) And, uh we know not on what hour thy Lord will return, but thy Uber will be there in four minutes.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: Let's bring out Mike. He is an activist and hip-hop artist. His latest album is Run The to Jewels 2. Michael Render, a.k.a. Killer Mike. Come over here. Killer Mike. Come hey, here, Great to see you.
6: This is our panel. How, How are you doing? How are you doing? All right. How are you
1: doing? Charles, there's not enough people against you. We wanted to bring
6: out one more. Yeah. <laughs> I want to thank him. That <laughs> book you wrote back in '94 made a lot of my teachers kick our ass. <laughs> Said you <laughs> ain't gonna prove this white man right. So we what? Were on, oh yes. Right yeah, when he was Belker, like genetically right? black people weren't as smart, and I was like, if the That's... motherfuckers running this country are that well, brilliant, it's over for us for real. Well, <laughs> right. Those Bush genetics got us far.
1: <laughs> all right. So, Mike, I wanted to have you here because there's certainly been a lot of news lately about yeah. things that are of in interest to you because I know that you are your father was a cop. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've wanted to ask somebody about this who would know yeah. the
6: issue of black policemen because they must be yeah. caught in a terrible vice. Well, they are, and a lot of them are on the wrong side right now. I just want um, <clears throat> to... I want to acknowledge that policing is difficult, and it's hard. Very. It's, it's a brave few that'll do it. Um, and if we do... didn't have them, yeah. it would
1: be tough. It would. It I, definitely... I, have, I do not believe in humanity. I think... <laughs> I really don't. If you t-
6: <laughs>
1: they may be bad, but you take away that. It's the purge. Yeah. It's, <laughs> a, it's the
6: purge every well, night. Well, I'm pro-Second Amendment, so I wouldn't be against that even. But my, my wife actually taught me that if you get too drunk you can call the police and they'll have to take you home. So that was a new one I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> She's a lot right. sexier than I am, so I'll <laughs> imagine the cops wouldn't arrest her. But um, I think... I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta's a black city, top to bottom, has been for the last 40, 50 years or so. For the last 100 years, black population. But for the first 70, 80 years, there's no black police force. Black policing came along in the 50s after a long, hard fight for them. Black cops weren't even allowed to change clothes with the regular cops. They had to do it at a Y. But the community fought for these black cops to be here because they wanted to be policed fair, and they wanted to be policed by people who looked like them, who understood the community, who were from the community. And the fact that we have black cops today that are black cops, like the people they're policing, but they don't live near the community. They don't live in the community. They aren't active in the community. That's the cancer in policing. There's a policeman in North Little Rock named Tommy Norman, white guy, talks kind of black, though. But he he polices um, the black community. And I started following him secretly because every day he was posting him and kids and poor white kids, black kids. Just, he was actually out of his squad car. And I believe that that's where proper policing happens. When you're out of a car, (laughs) when when it's you and another cop engaging the community. So for kids who are out there who may be in military, who may be coming out, who may be graduating high school or college, we need black policemen. We need you policing. But we need you policing and living in the community you police in. And knowing the people you're policing. I mean, we hear a lot of people say, you know, most cops
1: are good cops, and I I would agree with that. I don't know but if I always agree with that. <laughs> you know what, Mike? I don't know. <laughs> that see, see to be a good cop. Yeah, I was just saying that because I'm scared. Of exactly.
0: Cops, right? <laughs> uh, but, but here's
1: here's my question. No, I've said a lot of bad shit about cops, and and I think they know it. Uh,
6: They'll shoot me steel, though.
1: Okay, but here's my thing about good cops. We know what a bad cop is. Yeah. Uh, a good cop is one who isn't racist... Yeah. <clears throat> ...who doesn't, um, you know, abuse people, kill people for no reason, uh, just get his jollies, yeah. you know, doing that kind of shit. But <clears throat> it seems like we do not have any cops yeah. who rat on the ones who do that. Now, that... that's... And to me... Um, can you be a good cop... If you see a bad cop doing bad shit and you and you still back him up, because, you know, remember that movie Serpico? Yeah, it was like one it. guy,
6: one cop said, you know what, I, I'm not even going to fuck with you guys, I just don't want to take the money, and they yeah. tried to kill him. Exactly. Can you be a good cop? Exactly, I don't. I think that the nature of good... Like, when we say good cop, we just mean he hasn't killed anyone this week. But I think... <laughs> I, well, I think that good cop means. Low bar, Mike. <laughs> that, that, <that's, laughs> I think that good cop means I have to uphold the letter of the law beyond the fraternity of brotherhood of policing. I have to hold up to uphold the law for the community. And. That may involve telling on bad cops. And, 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 it, and it needs to be something that we as a public celebrate. I'm glad that a lot of police are getting body cameras, but I think what's really needed, God bless the dead, my mentor was appointed. Her name was Alice Johnson. She died a few months ago. Great woman from Chicago. Taught me how to organize. George Turner, who's our police chief in Atlanta, appointed her to be the community liaison between the community and between the police force. Now, she actually was an organizer. So what did she do? She organized the community to speak to the police force directly and it dramatically for a year or so changed the way Atlanta policing happened. Now we have body cameras, so I don't know if that, that, if that office is going to stay, but I pray it does because I saw the difference. And I thanked our mayor, Kasim Reed, for it. I thank George Turner for it. And I pray that we find another Alice Johnson to be the community liaison in Atlanta so we won't have another murder um, of like a 92-year-old grandmother who was killed by an elite drug squad. Yeah.
4: Right. So... We're having, in cameras now, all the black kids are wearing their own cameras on their hats. That's a new fashion.
1: To. I think it's great. <laughs> it's great. Well, you knew that, but not the Pew study. <laughs> no, I never heard the Pew
4: study. No, no, no. Yeah.
6: <laughs> <laughs> would, no would you wear that jacket? I'd look for it in my size. They would have <laughs> <pass them on laughs> together. I'm such an admirer of you two. Thank it's, you it's very much. Wow. Thank you also. Because this kind of <laughs> matches that. Yeah, this, the, i got to get
1: you one. This I've, is my band, Run the Jewels. Can I get you to do that? You've with never you heard the Pew study. I've never seen that color and now I've seen it twice. So we yeah. got to do this. Yeah. You got to throw it up. Oh, That's my band. Oh, I can't do the black handshakes, Mike. I,
6: I, 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 <laughs> but there's a white guy in my group. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm with you intellectually, but don't make me do the handshakes. <laughs> <don't>. uh, so, <laughs> so um, Bill O'Reilly, um,
6: What? Yeah, but you don't like Bill O'Reilly? Man, I like I, I like Bill O'Reilly. Always the going. Character. On... I hate old white people take him so seriously. Right. He's <laughs> the character. He's character. <laughs> but he is yeah. always like, going after rap as yo, the reason for every he's ill. more full of shit than an outhouse. Right. Like. <laughs> you know, like I'm gonna go in a black club and see Bill O'Reilly with a stripper in his lap. I guarantee you that <laughs> no, he's as no, fictional I don't think as those books do. he writes, That's well, what Padden would have done. He and, and, and we know it's an act. We know it's and I, I think the best no, you're wrong. I know Bill. That is not an act. Bill
1: is full of shit. No, he may be full of shit, <laughs> but he's sincere shit. Really? Of course,
6: people really yeah. think that way. What are no, you crazy? It's not him. He can't. A- Oh, Mike, Man, Mike, Mike, Mike now can't. you're the one living in the That it. means well, I'm going to fight him one day. <laughs> no, you're not <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but he,
1: bl- this thing I was just talking about, the, down, yeah. the religion, like the Christians losing Christians, he blames that on rap music. <laughs> <laughs> and I,
6: th- yeah, right, because like the least, the, the people who are least likely to leave Christianity are black folks. Oh no! Yeah, not well. Particularly black women, they not leaving. I, my yeah. mama and sisters and grandma... No, I know. It's I, Jesus I, to the end. Yeah, I Jesus agree. was like the original what rapper, I'm though. Right. He was. Yeah. A, he was a arguably a black guy, or at least dark. Hung with a posse of homies. <laughs> One of them was strapped with a knife. Went to war with the government, lost. <laughs> like, like a lot of black guys do? And um, everybody loved him more after he died, like Tupac. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, and. And he may not have existed at all. Okay. I agree. <laughs> uh, oh, you Don't agree? Don't say that wow. around black Ooh, people. Yeah, deny you. I,
4: I, I, deny, deny me three, three
1: times. <laughs> all right. So Michelle Obama, let me ask the panel this question, was speaking this week, and she did invoke racism. Uh, she said, among other things, that uh, she was followed in stores. I imagine you... Remember that, right? You've had that experience? Yep. She said, uh, we all know the experience of of going to a party and people assume you're the help. Mm -hmm. Mm. Okay. This got the usual suspects very angry. Rush Limbaugh said she was playing the race card. Laura Ingram said a litany of victimization. Um, They act like her very existence is kind of a deliberate provocation, but...
2: I think they wanted her to go down to this... To Tuskegee, right, to this where these working-class Alabama kids and actually just, like, give them the okie doke right? To say, okay, because Barack and I are in the White House, like, ding-dong, racism's dead. That's what they wanted her to say. And the fact is, we don't do that with each other. We don't right. tell that lie, right? We actually tell the true American story of black people in this country, which is one of resilience. And resilience has two parts. It has struggle, and it has overcoming. Absolutely. And so often, the right wing just doesn't want... wants to deny either one of those parts, right? Either black people never struggle, or they never overcome.
4: But you have to see, sometimes... I, I'm so naive because on racism because it used to be I grew up with like George Wallace and dumb racist that was easy to make fun of right but but now they're like censors you know like stupid censors are easy to d- work with but real racists today they don't say it out loud they're the scariest ones you know and and they're like liberal censors they're the scariest ones were, were you in Baltimore when the riot happened? oh yeah but I, I feel you know the night Baltimore was burning I was filming a cameo in the new Alvin the Chipmunk movie in Atlanta so I <laughs> I may not be that qualified to talk about it. But I, 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 but he's your fan. I know, but you know, I was. I mean, look, I was arrested was in Baltimore in my up, life, now. and I was in a paddy wagon. They didn't break my back. Yeah. So I guess, you know, but at the same time, there's a cop bar I hang out in, and they're very nice to me. So well, it just depends. But I know, Hill's how you solve it. Two ways you want to solve it, what I think in Baltimore, is, is one, like jury duty, once a year, every family has to move to the exact economic opposite neighborhood and live there. They have to get their hair done there. They have to send their kids to school there. they got to go to the store there. And then you move back, right? The other one is, don't make it a race thing. Make it a class thing. There's just as many poor white people in Baltimore. Poor white people don't riot. Rich white people do. You know? So get yeah, rich, rich white rich people riot. Kids, you know, yeah. right. I mean, well, who was if there uh, were any rioters in Baltimore well, that were white, they were upscale Wait, right when, when rich white kids more... riot they call it celebrating yeah. okay yeah well well did che Guevara take toilet paper <laughs> yeah. you know i mean really i'm right. i'm for that toilet paper is expensive <laughs> I, I it's a fortune when you go in and yeah, buy well, this why paper did retail. they burn down the cvs well, so That's, that's you, Why? Well, no, like, say, go burn down a <laughs> country he, club he, yeah, people
6: always say that well well they burned out they burned down the cvs they stole stuff they needed you know you need medicine you need socks you might need a blood pressure regulator like so but when people say why do you burn down a CVS why and why are you burning down your own community well because of Black people being denied loans because of black people being snookered out of their homes and gentrifiers coming in or not coming in. Because that's happened, you live in a community you don't own. You're a renter. You're just yeah. occupying a space. The police are there. They're occupying you. So when you say burn down my community, what did I burn? Mm-hmm. Most CBS's do not hire people who work within 10 miles of there because they're afraid of theft or them letting their friends take something. So what did I destroy besides an economic or a, a, a economic eyesore that won't hire me anyway? Overcharges me for drugs and I gotta wait to next morning for my well, like, you, wait, are we, you, are, we well, saying,
5: and, are we saying no small store owners got burned
6: out in Baltimore? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there were a litany of black men but there, who had t-shirts on standing in front of stores protecting stores. Yeah, and that's some, not what the media yeah. showed you. Absolutely. The media went out and found children. But, and found children that said, hey, let's show these kids wilding out and make that re- the
4: representation of Baltimore. And that was a lie. But mm-hmm. they need to get the poor white people to hook up with them, too. I because confirm. they're Sandtown. Have you ever been to Big town. Yes, sir. You know, they team up together.
6: And they did that in Ferguson. You know. Yeah, All they right. did I, that in Ferguson. I have just yeah. a
1: couple of minutes to ask the lightning round question, which is it came over the wire today, <laughs> the news that Joe Carr Sarnayev is going mm. to get the death penalty. I was actually surprised, you know. Because yes. I wasn't. No, no,
4: and well, you root for the death penalty. No, I, I am against the death penalty very much, and I campaigned in Maryland against it. And it is extreme. I get the pe- why the people on that jury who said they were not against the death penalty would give it to him. I understand that. He's the poster boy for it, as the Wall Street Journal cry. Right. But we have to put up, I'm against it for him, because like freedom of speech, we have to pick up with the worst. We have to put up with gangbang porn. We have to put about Nazis marching. We have to put up with the extremes of it to have the basic freedom of it for everybody. So I, you don't kill people and tell them that's how you do it. And he was 21. He, I get why they gave it to him. And also, didn't they sentence the people to
1: have to live through this for years and years, because the appeal are going. Well, they got rid of the a, D.C. Yeah. bomber
4: pretty quickly. <laughs> you know, if you're interested in punishment, it's... They but that, it was a little different. Well, I mean, he was yeah. equally hideous, you know. I mean, right. uh, uh, you sniper? know...
1: Yeah, they or got, got rid of him in a month, it seemed like. But know? they're also giving him what he wants. He wants to be a
5: martyr. Well, he I mean, did, it,
1: it would have been know, a worse fate.
5: But I, I think people can do things that forfeit their right to live. I, I think that there are acts that I part agree. Of that. On the other hand, if you're asking about punishment... Solitary confinement 23 hours a day right. at Harley's supermaxes.
4: That, that, that is cruel unusual. Yep. Yep. But you know why? That is cruel is and unusual. Judy Clark, the lawyer. She's the only person I want to meet in the whole country, actually. Why? Well, because she did Susan Smith, the Unabomber. Right. She does all. Yeah. She's never talked to the press. She has never let her clients talk to the press. And this is the first time she's lost. And if she wins, she gets them life without parole and not the death penalty. She's Clarence Darrow, isn't she? Right. All right.
1: Thank you, panel. It's time to go to. New Roll, Roll, don't fall asleep in front of Kim Jong-un. He had his defense chief executed for the crime of nodding off at some event, possibly a performance of the Children's Orchestra. Yeah, so if you're in Kim's inner circle, just to be on the safe side, you might want to pick up a pair of these. Nero, when Courtney Love is accused of not paying her bills, you can't report it as news. (laughs) Courtney's psychiatrist says she owes him 48 grand, and that's just for steam cleaning the couch. (laughs) 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 Nero, someone has to explain to this Kentucky man who accidentally shot his own mother during a church wedding. that when the minister says, forever hold your peace, (laughs) he doesn't mean your gun. (laughs) Oh, America. New rule, if someone catches you having sex with the tailpipe of a car... (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Sir, when they said you needed an emissions check, they meant the car. (laughs) Man, I thought I was getting screwed at the pump. Anyway,
2: it's like I can't, I can't unsee that. I can't. That's
1: so New rule: Don't be like Louise Lang, the South Carolina Republican who refused to buy Obamacare until he started going blind, and now he wants Obamacare. Don't worry, Mr. Lang. President Obama aware of your situation, and he has something for you. <laughs> And finally, new rules. Someone has to tell me why. Oh, that, we, we, we sure jumped that. <laughs> Someone has to tell me why Americans won't take anything seriously unless it's delivered with a British accent. Why in movies, even ones where the actors are Americans playing people who are not British, they still put on a British accent. Here's Brad Pitt as Achilles. Mom, brothers of the sword (laughs) he's from the midwest (laughs) and we know the ancient greeks were not (laughs) but neither were they from notting hill so why does he have to say sword (laughs) why is sword more serious than sword (laughs) here's marlon brando as superman's dad
3: all that i have all that i've learned everything i
0: feel
1: Brando, the greatest actor ever. You mean even he can't talk American? <laughs> Did biblical people have British accents, like Jennifer Connolly here in Noah? I can't bear to think of them dying. <laughs> Her 600 year old husband is putting three million animals on a houseboat, but she's using a British accent because she doesn't want to sound silly. <laughs> In World War II movies, even the Nazis have British accents. (laughs) Game of Thrones takes place in a world completely made up by a dude from Bayonne, New Jersey, and they all have British accents. Last season ended with the king dying on the toilet. Done with an English accent? Classy. When Elvis did it, just gross. (laughs) Obi-Wan Kenobi lived in another millennium in a galaxy far, far away, so naturally he had a British accent. (laughs) As did the bad guy in the movie and even the fucking robot! (laughs) And I bet if you cracked open the other robot that only made beeping noises, there'd be a guy in there with a British accent. All right, I'll stop, but before I do, did you know that among the many items that are sold as part of the merchandising for Fifty Shades of (laughs) Grey, there is a butt plug advertised online.
3: The Fifty Shades of Grey Something Forbidden Silicon Butt Plug. Using something forbidden is deliciously taboo
5: is this for real?
1: That's right. If you have an English accent, you can literally tell us to stick it up our ass. Yes, that's for real. Or that our dick doesn't work. You've seen the Viagra ads.
4: You know what? Plenty of guys have this issue, not just getting an erection, but keeping it. She's like a sexy Mary
1: Poppins. <laughs> just a spoonful of sugar makes the dingling pop up. You were a flaccid loser. Now you're the dick of Windsor. (laughs) So what is going on here? Oh, I think we know what's going on. Americans, we talk a big game about we're the greatest country in the world and American exceptionalism in the indispensable nation. Yeah, yeah. You know, whenever I hear someone bragging on themselves like that, I always think they're covering up a massive insecurity And our reliance on the British accent to convey gravitas is kind of our way of admitting that we know we're not really a serious people. (laughs) I mean, come on. We drink wine out of a box. (laughs) We invented Mormonism. (laughs) Our best-selling author is Bill (laughs) O'Reilly. Most Americans don't know that the Big Bang Theory is also a theory. (laughs) I mean, look at... (laughs) Look at all the childish stuff that defines America. Superhero movies, climate change denial, Palin's... (laughs) Pharrell's hat... (laughs) Pajama jeans. For people who want to wear pants but don't want to feel overdressed at Walmart... Come on. We know us. We know we're the folks who gave the world Kim Kardashian's giant ass. (laughs) And when I say Kim Kardashian's giant ass, of course I mean Kanye West. (laughs) (laughs) And therein lies our special relationship with England. They have the gravitas, we have the swag. It's how we act. It's what we do. (laughs) It's who we are. (laughs) We have the aircraft carriers, but they have the guy who knows a sentence needs a subject and an object. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that war sounded a whole lot better coming out of Tony Blair's mouth, (laughs) which is why the British accent is dangerous, and it should always come with a warning that this movie isn't really that profound... (laughs) This reality show judge isn't really that smart. This war isn't really that good an idea. And this product still goes in your butt. (laughs) All right. Coincidentally, I will be playing the Hammersmith in London on May 23rd. We're taking the next two weeks off so I can do my European tour. We'll be back June 5th. I want to thank John Waters, Heather McGee, Charles Murray, Killer Mike, and I, and Hersey Ali. Join us now on Overtime on YouTube. Thank you, folks.
5: All new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 11. Or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more info, log on to HBO.com.